Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 says, For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. In Ephesians 5, Paul says not anything about inheriting the kingdom of heaven, but he says that those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. While the term kingdom of heaven is always referring to a a literal kingdom, a, a realm that will be established on the earth, The kingdom of God is often used, even in the four Gospels, to refer not to a a kingdom in the sense of borders and a government and that thing, that kind of thing, but rather a, a position of authority. Christ often referred to himself and his own position that he had and who he was as being the kingdom of God. And the 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 Greek word that's translated as kingdom is the word basileia. And it can mean a kingdom in the sense of a realm, but it can also mean the authority that a king has. Um, You could also translate the word as royalty or as majesty, right? So that when Christ told his disciples that some of them would not die before they saw the kingdom of God come with power, he's referring to what they saw just a few days after that when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw him transfigured and they saw a visible display of the position that he had and they heard the voice from heaven that said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? When, when Christ was standing in the middle of those unbelieving Pharisees and he says the kingdom of God is within you, he's not telling them the kingdom of God is in their hearts, in their lost, corrupt hearts that want to put him to death. He's telling them the kingdom of God is right here in your midst, right here in in the middle of you, referring to himself. In 1 Corinthians 15, when it talks about Christ delivering up the kingdom to God, he's not not picking up that kingdom that had been established for a thousand years on the earth and giving it to God. What's he delivering to God the Father? It's the position of rule and reign and authority, right? And it's important to understand that because Ephesians 5 is not talking about entering the kingdom of God. You see, what happens is, now that we've got all that groundwork laid, now we can, we can look here at the passage itself. Ephesians 5 is not talking about how you enter the kingdom of God. Right? When Jesus Christ was talking with Nicodemus, he talked to him about how to enter the kingdom of God. But this isn't about entering the kingdom of God. This is about inheriting the kingdom of God. And there's a big difference between those things. Right? You, you or I, we can get on a plane and we can enter the United Kingdom. Right? But we're not going to inherit the United Kingdom, are we? Um, Prince Charles is going to inherit that kingdom, and he's going to become the king. Uh, we aren't. And so inheriting a kingdom is very different than entering a kingdom. When Christ talked to Nicodemus about entering a kingdom, he was talking about faith and the new birth that, that uh, uh, comes as a result of that. And this passage is talking about inheriting a kingdom. It's really talking about inheriting... A, the kingdom in the sense of a position of ruling and reigning, a position of authority. 
And that's why this passage, this doesn't talk about inheriting the kingdom of God as a free gift. You, you can enter the kingdom of God. You can believe the gospel and be saved, and that's a free gift. All you have to do is just receive it by faith. But inheriting the kingdom of God is not a gift. Inheriting the kingdom of God is a reward. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, And whatsoever ye do, so we're talking about works, actions, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Now, is eternal life a reward? Eternal life is not a reward. Eternal life is a gift, right? You you don't receive it as a reward for doing something or as a payment for doing something. Eternal life is a free gift. That's the, the, uh, the love of God that he would save unworthy sinners, not by them cleaning up their act and doing the right thing and dressing up and coming to church and, and all that. But that he would save them, just, Romans 4, 5 says, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's a gift. It's not based on your works. But you see, there's an aspect of inheritance that is a reward. Now, there are a few verses that talk about eternal life itself as being an inheritance. But... Most of the, the verses that talk about an inheritance are talking about a, something that is a reward, something that is given as a reward for doing some things. And here it talks about the reward of the inheritance. Um, th- this passage that we're looking at in Ephesians 5, there's several others that are much like it. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this verse, I mean, if you didn't have the one in Ephesians and some of these other ones we're going to look at, this verse might be easier to, to work your way around. Remember, last, last time I told you, you shouldn't try and work your way around the verses. But a lot of times we do that, especially when we come to a verse that doesn't seem to fit with what we believe. We try to find some way to work around it. Now, this verse might be easier to work around because it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God? Well, somebody who's believed the gospel is counted righteous by God. Right? So, so a believer, while a believer may do unrighteous things, God has counted the believer righteous. All right? so, so you could say, well, see, that's, that's talking about unbelievers. But it lists these works, um, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, same kind of works that are listed in Ephesians 5, that it said those who do such things won't have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And, and I want you to notice verse 11, as Paul writes to these Corinthians, he says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And he says in verse 12, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, 
Notice as he, as he lists these wicked works in verse 9 and 10, he says in verse 11, and such were some of you. Now, those of you that are familiar with the letters to the Corinthians, was that all in the past for the Corinthians? No, some of them still were doing those things, right? I mean, Paul writes them about, about uh, the man there who was having an affair with his father's wife. He says something that even the, even the pagan Gentiles don't do. Um, Paul writes to them about their idolatry and about all you know, these different things that they were doing. And yet Paul can say here in, in 1 Corinthians, he's focusing on their righteous position that they've been granted in Christ. And he says, that's not who you are anymore. You might do some of those things, but when you do that, you're denying who you really are in Christ. And really what he's telling them all throughout Corinthians is he's saying, you have this exalted position in Christ, live like who you are. Right? That, that's his theme throughout it. And so here he says, that may be what you once were, but you're not that anymore. And the implication is, since that's not who you are anymore, why do you keep acting like that? Why do you keep acting like that? You know, those, those things that you were saved from? Why do you continue on in those things? And he's clear. He says, all things are lawful unto me. Uh, doing these things is not going to take away your salvation. It's not going to take away your eternal life. But Paul says it's not expedient. He says all things are lawful to me, but I won't be brought under the power of any. There's many things that you have liberty to do in Christ, but that doesn't mean you should do them. That doesn't mean it's good for you to do them, right? And, and uh, so here Paul, you know, as he describes those things, he says that's what you were. And so that's, that's the way, if you wanted to, if you felt you needed to, that's the way some people would work their way around that verse. But you don't even have to do that when you understand what it means to inherit the kingdom of God. It's not getting eternal life. Inheriting the kingdom of God is a reward. Uh, if it's not clear from that, go over to Galatians. Probably the clearest passage is the one in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, um, rather than focusing on the position, in Galatians chapter 5 it focuses on the works themselves. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And it's going to be a, a familiar list to you by now. It says adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now again, you don't have to explain away the verse. The verse is true. If you do those things that it lists in that verse, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Just don't equate in your mind inheriting the kingdom of God with eternal life. You can see in all these verses that inheriting the kingdom of God is a reward for doing righteous works. Okay? It's not eternal life, which is a gift not based on works at all. It is a reward. And, and so, you know, grace, grace doesn't mean that what you do doesn't matter. What you do does matter. In fact, you're, what you do is going to matter out into eternity future. And it matters because we are all, as, as believers, and um, if, if you're not a believer, if you haven't believed in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, 
these, these things we're going to look at about the judgment seat of Christ don't really apply to you. Uh, there's another judgment for the unbeliever, which is that great white throne. And uh, that's not a judgment that any person wants to appear at because nobody is declared not guilty at that judgment. Everybody's declared guilty. But there's another judgment. There is a judgment for the believer. And it's the judgment seat of Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God has some work for us to do. And in verse 9 it says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Um, you know that as a, as, as a believer, you have the privilege of being a worker together with God, a laborer together with God. Now, who would you rather work with? The people that you go to work and work with every day or work with God? Um, you have the privilege of being a laborer with God. Verse 10 says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. That's the Apostle Paul speaking. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is." You see, he lists several building materials there. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. And when you operate under God's grace, when the things you do, you do unto the Lord, not unto men. When the things you do, you're doing out of, out of that grace working out through you. That's the gold, silver, and precious stones. The wood, hay, and stubble is all the works of the flesh. And if you think about your life, the, the image that's presented here in the passage is that in your life, you are building a building. You're, the sum total of your life is this building that's described here in this passage. And everything you do is incorporated into it. When you do something um, out, of, out of faith in the Lord, that's incorporated into that building. When you do things just out of the works of the flesh, that's, that's incorporated into that building. And there's going to come a day at, at the judgment seat of Christ where that work is tried. And the picture it gives is that the work is going to be tried by fire. This, this building that you've been putting all of your effort into is going to have a match set to it. And what's going to happen to the wood and the hay and the stubble? It's just going to, it's just going to burn up. It's just going to be gone. It's going to be consumed. But what's going to happen to the gold, silver, and precious stones? You know what, gold, you know what happens to gold and silver when you put them through fire? They're purified. The wood, hay, and stubble gets burned up and consumed. The, the gold and the silver gets purified. And that's what's going to remain. And this is what's going to determine someone's reward for eternity. Verse 14 says, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now, when you think about the wood, hay, and stubble, though, I don't want you to just think about sins. I don't want you to just think about you know, the, the kinds of things listed in those verses, adultery and, and those kinds of things. Because many things that we do that we believe are good things wind up just being wood, hay, and stuff. Think of how many religious works people do that God never in his word told people to do. Uh, but, but they do them. They believe they're doing something pleasing to God. And they believe that they believe that's the gold, silver, and precious stones, right? They think they're going to stand there and God's going to praise them for all the religious works they've done. And the fact is, it's all going to go up in smoke. 
Right? The, in fact, the, the, Bible, the Bible refers to, at the judgment seat of Christ, the terror of the Lord. And that's not the terror that God is going to uh, you know, punish you physically or, or kick you out of heaven or whatever. That's not the terror there. It's the terror of seeing an entire life wasted in things that didn't matter at all. That's the terror. And, and again, the, you know, a lot of the sins and things we do... We don't mind seeing that stuff burn up, but there's going to be a lot of things that we're really proud of that we think we should get praise for that's going to be wood, hay, and stubble, and it's just going to burn up. And imagine the terror of somebody who's built this, this building with their life that they think is beautiful, that they think God is going to praise, and it's just all gone. It was just all worthless for nothing. Uh, that's why we need to spend time in God's Word and make sure we're building with the right building materials. Right? And that work that abides, it says if a man's work abides, he's going to receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now what's the loss that he suffers? Not a loss of his salvation, not a loss of eternal life, but a loss of all that effort, all that work that he put in, a loss of, of the reward that he could have had. He says if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. Some people are going to enter eternity with a great wealth of reward. Others are going to enter eternity like they just escaped from a burning building with just a shirt on their backs, and maybe not even that. That's, that's the picture that's portrayed there. Now, what exactly is the reward? I mean, you might think that, that being in heaven itself for eternity is enough of a reward, right? And even, you see here, even the one whose work is burned, he's still saved. What is the reward? Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. In fact, the reward is this inheritance we've been talking about. It's to inherit the kingdom of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. And you often find that the greater reward goes to those who are faithful through suffering. Not just those who are faithful when everything's going good. Not just those who are faithful when when that profits you and benefits you, but those who are faithful when it costs you. And here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, notice what it says, verse 4, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. You see, the kingdom of God is something you have to be counted worthy of. It's not just eternal life that you receive by grace. You see, by going through tribulation, Paul says they were going to be worthy, counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. Now, you notice that verse? It says it's given unto you. A gift is something that's given. It's given unto you to suffer for Christ's sake. Now, how could suffering ever be a gift? Well, you know, if, if all there is is this life, suffering would never be a gift, right? And it's very hard to view suffering as a gift. But what the scripture says, it says that... Um, the, the uh, sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be re- uh, compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, right? And so suffering can be a gift because it works 
Scripture says it works for us a far more eternal and exceeding weight of glory. Right? And, and not only that, but the Scripture is clear. It says that all those that li- live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. If you aren't suffering some sort of persecution, now, you know, persecution comes in many forms. It doesn't necessarily mean somebody's trying to physically kill you like they would be in some countries or things like that. But if you're living godly in Christ, there's going to be some persecution to go along with it. There's going to be some suffering. And the reward for that suffering is to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is meant in these passages as that position of reign and authority, uh, a position of authority in heavenly places. That's what the reward is. See, think about, think about life. The life you're living now is sort of like uh, a, a test, not a test to see if you can earn eternal life, but for those who are saved, for those who have received the gift of eternal life, what you do in this life, God's going to look at that and he's going to decide what position you're fit for in eternity. Now, if you've shown great faithfulness, he'll give you a position of greater authority. If you've shown lack of faithfulness, he'll give you a lower position of, of less authority. And that's what the reward is, and that's what it is to inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. We've got just a few minutes left here, and there's just a couple of verses left that we'll look at that will make this clear for you, I believe. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Now, here's, here's another verse we're going to look at that often people, because they want to emphasize the grace of God, right? And I, I believe you ought to emphasize the grace of God, but... They, they think the verse conflicts with that and they try and, try and reason their way around the verse. You don't have to do that when you understand what the verse is saying. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and you are a child of God. Everybody is not a child of God, right? Most people that you, that you meet every day are not children of God. Uh, that's, you know, people will often say that today, and they'll say, well, we're all God's children. That's not true biblically. Uh, there's a lot of people in the world that God wouldn't claim as his children, right? And, and uh, here it says that the, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. Every child of God is an heir. Every child of God has an inheritance. But notice the rest of the verse. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if. Now what's the condition on being a joint heir? It says, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You see, an heir and a joint heir are not the same thing. It says, all, all of the children are heirs. All believers are heirs. But you see what it says, that some believers are joint heirs with Christ, if we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. Uh, an heir, if... if you know, when there's, a, when there's an inheritance and somebody leaves the house to this child and they leave a certain amount of money to this child and something else to that child, all of them are heirs, right? But joint heirs are when you leave, if you leave everything to all of them jointly, they're joint heirs. They all have a part in the inheritance. They all don't have their, their separate inheritance. They all have a part in the inheritance. Now, what would it mean to be a joint heir with Christ? Wouldn't it mean to inherit Everything Christ inherits, um, that, that would be a great reward when you think about the, 
the position that Christ has here, when it talks about being a joint heir with Christ, that would be to have a part in the same inheritance that Christ has. But you see, there's a condition on that. The condition is, again, that suffering that comes as a result of, of faithfulness. Say, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. All saints, all children of God are not joint heirs with Christ. Those who suffer with him that they can be glorified together are. And again, that's the inheriting of the kingdom of God. Go to one last verse and we'll close. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this verse to me just, just makes it crystal clear. 2 Timothy 2, verse 11 now, there's a lot of ifs in this passage, and, you know, the, an if is giving a, a condition. I'm a, I'm a computer programmer, so we use if statements a lot. If this is true, then do that, right? In, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, how do you get dead with Christ? If we be dead with him, when, when a person believes the gospel... They are dead with Christ, and they're risen with Christ, and they are assured of resurrection, of eternal life. So what's the condition uh, for living with Christ? It's to be dead with him. And from other passages, you see the condition to be dead with him is to believe the gospel, right? So if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. No other condition than that. All those who are dead with Christ, all those who, who... have believed the gospel, shall live with Christ. Verse 12, though, says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now, is the condition for reigning the same as the condition for living with Christ? It's a different condition, isn't it? What's the condition for reigning with Christ? To suffer. Now, now again, if, if it's not clear, this suffering is not just the natural suffering we go through because of bad choices and that kind of thing. This is suffering for, for faithfulness to the Lord. If we suffer, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, what is it that's going to be denied if we deny him? Is it eternal life that's going to be denied? It's the reign, isn't it? Isn't it the, the reigning, the ruling? See? If we deny him, he also will deny us. And verse 13, if you ever had any doubt about eternal security, some people believe that, that you can be saved and then later decide you want to give up your salvation. Right? They say you can't lose it through neglect. You can't lose it through, through just, just uh, you know, failure to be obedient. But they'll say you could give it up if you wanted to. But notice what verse 13 says. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. You know that even if you stop believing, when you believed the gospel, you became a member of the body of Christ. And even if you stop believing, God can't deny himself. He's not going to deny himself. You can't give up your salvation once you've received it. Now, there's many people who never truly received it and maybe played like they received it. And then it seems like they fall away. But you can't. Even if, you, even if you believe not, even if you choose not to believe anymore, you can't give it up. You see, he cannot deny himself. But what can be denied to the believer? It's that reign. It's inheriting the kingdom of God. And so to inherit the kingdom of God is to inherit in eternity a position of ruling and reigning with Christ. Now maybe for you, maybe it's enough just to, just to get in, just to get in the door to heaven. But that's certainly not what God desires for you. He wants to see that 
that faithfulness, even through adversity, even through suffering. And that's something that God counts worthy of reward. And, and those who, that's why those things, those things that Paul lists in Ephesians 5 and Galatians and, and Corinthians, if those are the things that characterize your life, don't expect to get great reward in heaven. If what characterizes your life is, is you know, adultery and fornication and, and uncleanness and all those things, don't expect to get great reward. Um, those people who do, do those things aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. Your eternal life is secure, but don't expect a, a great reward for eternity. And let's close there with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these things from your word. We uh, just thank you for your grace that makes our eternal life secure. And we thank you that in all this work that we've been talking about, it's not work done in our own strength and in our own flesh. That'd be no better than wood, hay, and stubble. But it's the, it's the work that you empower us to do by your grace working in us. And, and we thank you for that. We thank you that the excellency of the power is of you and not of us, that, that this treasure, this treasure of, of eternal life and of, of justification is put in these frail and, and imperfect earthen vessels that you would have the, the uh, glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.